Welcome to Romero Records Podcast. Today we have on... Sun Person. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing good. So the other day I had on Virage. That was cool. Yeah, that's what um, you told me. We were just talking about how we met and everything at the studio. And that was really cool when you had showed up because... Like, you showed up with Viraj and who else was it? It was uh, D. Alexander. D? Yeah, D. <laughs> so, when when y'all had walked in, um, I'd noticed you. I, I didn't know them. Yeah. And then I saw you, and I was like, that kid looks familiar. I swear <laughs> he's in Memphis. And then I asked you, you like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. Yep. <laughs> so, y- y'all were there because y'all had that um, that songwriter thing yeah, that night. Digilog. Okay, oh, yeah, the Digilog yeah. thing. So, dude, it was a crazy day. We were meeting with booking companies, uh, Digilog event, which is that community platform. They were listening to some music in the studio. And then uh, we went to this other this shoe store afterwards, but they were doing like a podcast, a podcast too. Um, and yeah, I just got interviewed on there. It was cool. It was fun. So when you are doing these kind of things, like, do you like to set them up like back to back to back or you like to spread them out? How's your, um, how's your schedule usually going? I, if I am not busy that week, then I'll do it. I, yeah. I usually like to plan something out like seven days, but like, let's say like I have a free gap of time and someone hits me up like three days before and like, sure, I don't see why not. By the way, to everybody who, if you're not watching, you're just listening. Yeah. You're 17. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like you're just like when we were talking about the music business and everything, your yeah. knowledge and wisdom about the music right now is, <laughs> is insane. Like I'd. I didn't really get into music until like six years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm 23, yeah. like at that point, learning about just music, period. Yeah. But like, it's like 17 yourself. Or that's, that's six, six that, years. Like, that's that's crazy to. No, I'm saying I was, I'm 29 now. Like oh, you yeah. started. <laughs> that's awesome. No. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, when I was 23. I know, I'm, I was like, minus six. <laughs> no, when I was 23, I'm just now learning about music. Like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm learning how to make beats and engineer yeah. and stuff. When I was 23, you're mm-hmm. you're 17 and you're learning. All, like, that's crazy. And yeah. that's that's got to... That's got to be great for your future just to be able to already know this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. Because especially like with the love for music that I have, it's not like, it's like, oh, my parents are forcing me to do this, like a sport. And then it's like, oh, those years of experience were really for nothing. And it's like with music, I've been playing in bars. I started when I was seven. So 10 years now. (laughs) That's crazy, man. And like, I'd say like, actually like getting deep into music business stuff, like two years and then like pushing music originally like nine ten months that's wild almost on a year so when you when you're with all these people in these rooms i'm still stuck on that age thing so like when you're you're with people and you're working with people who are like much older than you do you feel like you have to kind of throw up a guard because you're like ah they're probably trying to take advantage because i'm young or do you feel like oh it's just a you know it's just another person yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, like, uh, to be honest with you, I always hung around, like, older people when I was younger anyways. Like, even in the bands that I was in where we would play bars and stuff, like, dude, I, everyone, I remember the first time I went on tour, like, in the, uh, around the country, mm-hmm. and I was the youngest one there. I was, like, 13 years old, and everyone there was, like, 16 and up. So it was just, like, I was used to it. It's, like, it's not about, I, I understood really young that it wasn't about your actual age. It's just your maturity or understanding like what you said wisdom yeah yeah um, i mean it's it's a cool thing to to be a certain age and like working with different people like, yeah no it's exciting i honestly like i really enjoy that because there's so many different people so many different backgrounds so many different like ways of life just in age alone yeah and like but, you know, working with people that are much older and even people that are just like in their 20s or people my age, like seeing the different backgrounds of music. And like how you talk about, like you're new to the newer to this, like my co-producer is almost 40 years old as well and has been doing it since he was my age. Like <laughs> my co-producer literally like. I think the only thing he can't do is make hard rap music because he's just incapable. Like he's just, that's not his thing. But at the same time, like we make the coolest tracks because like it's this mix of his older sound with my newer age engineering and styles with music. It's like, it's so, it's so fun. So when you make music, uh, you've been doing like this hyper pop, right? Yeah. So is that something that you feel like, 
I don't know. Is that sh- that's your thing, or is that something you're just trying out? <laughs> Dude, to be honest, like, because when I first started putting out music, people always ask me like, "What kind of music do you make?" And I couldn't like, I couldn't tell them. Like, yeah. I had no clue. I just like to make stuff. Okay. And like, so that ten years of experience really came from School of Rock. Um, that's where my he's my co-producer is the general manager there as well. But you know, it's like. I started off doing stuff like Weezer, Kiss, The Rolling Stones. Then you go into stuff like Beatles, Motown, and even like Jack White, The Black Keys, like ACDC, Rage Against the Machine. Like 10 years of that. Like it's just everything you can think of. And it's like I didn't want to put myself in a box because I knew how to uh, portray different mm. sounds. So it was like why not just combine them and make that stuff my own. And that's what I really found a love for like popular music and just like good the, you know like the term good music yeah, like yeah. it's not necessarily and i agree with that like it's not about genres like you can put stuff in a box to like be like oh yeah top 10 songs this is how it is but to objectify music like that like it's just i just think it's about feeling if it feels right then it's right <laughs> that's you, how i perceive it do you want to get back into that band type feel or do you <laughs> are you happy with what you're doing right now um well it's funny you say that because i actually I have a full band. It'll be my first full band performance this Friday at uh, Mushroom Fest out at Shelby Forest. But yeah, so we're literally like, you hear this stuff online um, on Spotify and whatever. We're stripping that down to a full band this weekend. It's going to be so exciting because the coolest part is like a lot of this stuff, although it is newer sounding, we really can strip down Mm. because a lot of the instrumentation involved is just straight up bass, keys, guitar, and then like drum loops from... Uh, whatever, what splice. Okay. So it's like put, whipping all that up in Ableton. Of course, you can put it down to raw instruments, and it sounds beautiful. I'm really That's excited. Dope. So how much do you know about? You know, you're mentioning Ableton. You're throwing these names out there with uh, splice and stuff yeah. like that. How much do you know about the actual production of it? Yeah. So like, I could go into splice and I could use Ableton to like make you a track. Like, I'm not gonna say I'm the best producer in the world, <laughs> but it was. It's more of just like a sightseeing game like I was always around producers I was always just like watching people do it and I was very observant I wasn't like like again like I cannot make crazy drum patterns just like using midi notes like programming programming everything that's not me but like being able to study it and see like okay I can rip some drums out of splice I can rip this melody out of splice and then like you know find some samples within Ableton that's not too hard okay um yeah the music business side is like the bigger side of me though. Okay. Yeah, like that just being able to know terminology and yeah. stuff like that. That's being familiar. That's huge. Yeah, just like that's what I think is like being well rounded. You have to be, especially in music. Like you talked about like people being shady. Like I think the biggest way so I took uh, AP psych my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um and that really helped me gauge an understanding. That and AP Lang, which taught me rhetoric, like those two things really made me understand, okay. Uh, is someone talking to me in a pitch or are they talking to me just to like be a person? Yeah. And then it was like, from there I use those skills just to like gauge a better understanding of music business. And it's like, you know, when you can understand how to read people and also terminology within music production uh, on the more music side and on the more business side, it's like, you know, you can use all that together to see see through people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's something that you got to have in music business. Like heck yeah. People who, I, I'm going to say like, Industry. probably like rappers who have <laughs> yeah. had, like who used to be in the streets and have all these like gang affiliate type stuff. Like those people actually are really good in the industry yeah. because they got street smarts. They, exactly. they understand how people work. They know what they're doing. So yeah. that's, it's actually, it helps them out a lot. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, it's all about the concept of things. Like you talk about is street smarts. Like it's the same things, uh, experiences that'll like teach you the same concepts of yeah. like, okay, well, this person's going to treat me wrong. Cause I've had this experience before. The same thing you might learn in school, just a different way. Yeah. Um, being able to just understand people and and know like what's you can like predict the future basically yeah like, literally um, do you know who clever is yeah I, I, so I think we were talking about him but um, something that happened in his career I saw it coming mm-hmm. like I just saw it coming because number one I think he's like in his mid thirties or late thirties or something like that and he so he ends up getting popular he does that song with uh, in a 
was it Inili Chopper? Yeah, yeah. That's what you said. Stick yeah. by my side. Yep. And then um, he, he starts he starts getting popular, and then he ends up signing a deal with Post Malone. Yeah. And uh, that Posty slash Republic Records type thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he didn't release a single song under yeah. them, or he might have released like one song. Huh. And he he told them he wanted to leave because they wasn't able to release his music, and. I was like, I, I saw this coming just because mm-hmm. like I, I see his personality mm-hmm. and like the way he works, like dude's a workaholic, like yeah. him and juice world were really close. They were like brothers. And for him to just like be stuck in that label and yeah. not be able to do what he wanted to do. I was like, yeah, I, I definitely saw that, but you know, to ease your own, you got <laughs> you to choose your path. Yeah, that's true, man. I know it's all about just like literacy but like i don't know it, it, you can't really put everything behind just academics especially for this industry it's like you can you can say you know everything and then someone will pull something yeah. like there's a there's a trick there's a new trick up everyone's sleeve in the music industry which yeah. i it's, i really wish there was less of that like i feel like if everything was more like if everything was more sound in the music industry and just like more straight up there would be so many less problems. People wouldn't be running ragged how they are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think music is an industry where you, it's 24-7. It's like you 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 wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it. And it's like, if you aren't, someone else is. It's a very hustle industry, but it's because we all work ourselves that way. Yeah. If, ever, if everyone would just take a step back, if that was a possibility, then like, our, our lives would be so much easier. If everyone looked at music like a nine to five, whew, <laughs> that would be so that would be so nice but yeah yeah i mean how it is when when you when you're working with people like in the music industry everybody's got different personalities yeah. like some people are workaholics some people are super lazy yeah <laughs> so you gotta you kind of have to get the feel of like you know what's and then you have to build a team right because yeah. you have to figure out like what do i want my team to consist of do i want to have like Am I okay with that one lazy person that yeah. every once in a while they do great work and then they go back? It's like a, a hibernating bear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they come out, they do great, then they just fall off for a while. Like, Definitely. And it's a brave thing too because it's like, especially, you know, like these things, especially, I know me, Sun Person and the little business ventures that I'm creating, these are like my children. It's like to leverage uh, someone else on the team and then, you know, hope that they will benefit you, hope that they will be as engaged as you are. It's a scary process because, you know, you could hand something over to someone and you you see little results from it or it even does worse than you expected. And it's like, you don't, you got to take those risks because it's like, you try doing everything on your own, it won't work out that way either. By the way, where did you get Sun Person from? Yeah, Sun Person. Um, so I guess like same with you. So like six years ago, I was like, Man, if I'm going to grow up, I was like, I better get ready for all this artist stuff. Like, I can replay it in my head. I was like, I was like, hmm, let me think to myself. I was like, I got to have a name. And then like for like months, I was like, what is a good artist name? And I got grew so frustrated with it. I realized I was like, man, because I only live with my mom. Um, I realized I just want people to know that I do all of this for my mom, my number one supporter, and that I try to be a good person to everyone else. Mm. Anything else you can learn from the music, from the artistry. But from my name alone, Sun Person is all I want people That's to know. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's meaning behind it. It was just like, it was funny because like I, st- I, I stopped on it because I was like, I'm thinking too much about it. Mm. But at the same time, the name has depth. It's yeah, not yeah. like, oh yeah, no, I put the word sun and then Google searched person right right beside it. So. <laughs> and the, the great thing about it is how unique it is. Because yeah. I, I get on to people all the time about their name. I'm yeah. like, yo, don't pick a dumb name. Don't pick a name that you're going to end up changing three years yeah, from now. Yeah, that's how I was. That's why I, I was thinking when I was little. I was like, I can't do that. Because <laughs> yeah. I'd seen it happen before, and I was like, I want to I want to make sure my name means something. Because like, my real name already, like that's something to hold in and of itself. But to for my artist name, I was like, this is what people are going to know from a public point of view. Mm. So it's like, what do people? What do I want people to know from that public point of view? What do I want people to know from just a singular word? Well, mm. that's what I want you to know. Anything else, you learn separately. So that that also is great because uh, the uniqueness of it. Because when people search for you, yeah, there's not another Sun Dot person. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't exist. So nah. that helps you out. Do you feel like you're getting that good traction and stuff like that because you have such a unique name? Uh, maybe. I mean, 
honestly not as much only just because like people don't even know how to pronounce it right <laughs> it's so funny i'll get so many sun piercings or oh. sewn person and i'm like it's sun and person i'm like it's not they're like why well, I, I see an extra e or i'm like when i think of sun i think s-u-n i'm like what this <laughs> i was like I, i'm 17 like i don't think my grammar is that crazy <laughs> but yeah no it's uh I do think the name plays a part, though. I've actually, it's funny because, like, as as I've grown in my artistry and more people have come to know the name Sun Person, mm-hmm. um, people like it. Like, yeah. I'll come across some people that are like, what does that mean? But it seems like by the time I tell them the backstory, everyone seems to know I'm from with it. That's a dope name. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I, some fun stuff. I think that when you when you get into that zone of, like, trying to make things easy for people you realize it's impossible yeah like, you can't because <laughs> you just got to learn that like everyone you can't please everyone yes. that's what you and that's like everything in the music industry yes. everything is subjective nothing is linear like this is the least linear industry that there is like <laughs> we live on guesstimations yes. <laughs> like we might as well like we're, we're more speculative than the stock market industry <laughs> like i swear it's like Cause like you don't know, it's like yeah. you have to put bet so much on music. But you know, if you like what we talked about, you put in those hours long work. It's like you're staying up all night to be sure everything is perfectly in place. Then you'll see results from it. Yeah, and that's how that's how I felt at least. So to me, I think it's way more less stressful and uh, manageable at the stage that like you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Like you aren't some global superstar. Yeah. So this is the time to experiment and get all that stuff exactly. out. And learn. Yes, <laughs> and learn. Because when you get, <laughs> I, th- I think it's got to be extremely stressful. Say if you're like somebody like Drake. Yeah. And you put out a song and it doesn't hit right, you're like, hold on, what's going on? Yeah. Like, Everything I make is magic. What's going on? So, Literally. But now is the time to just see what people like and experiment and, and get out and just do stuff. Exactly. Especially in Memphis. It's like, there's so much to experiment in. There's so much that like, hasn't been brought to like wider attention outside of Memphis. So it's like, I, I enjoy the fact that I'm making something that people like that isn't the, um, the narrative sound, but that also the same community that, you know, has been uplifted through Memphis music, um, are people that I'm friends with. Mm. It's like a lot of these, it's like, <laughs> it's so funny. I'll, I'll tell you last night I was at, um, you know, Kokash and, uh, you know, Bl- Block Boy. Yeah. Yeah. So me, you might not know these guys, but some good friends of mine, BZ, he's Kokash's brother and, uh, Crucial, Clay Crucial, he's Block Boy's engineer. We were all we went to Waffle House. Crucial, last night. okay, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, Crucial. Yeah, um, we literally like those guys are like twenty five, and I'm pretty sure like like BZ was telling me he was like I went to White Haven and I go to Christian Brothers, but we're going to the studio and then it's midnight and we're going to Waffle House together. <laughs> like it's really like we're just friends, and yeah, I yeah. love that stuff. It's yeah. like that's the gap I want to bridge. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, that's the gap I want to bridge and like just unify within music. So yeah. it's exciting to see the beginnings of that, especially like being so young right now. And I'm like, man, this is just the beginning of it. Yeah, you know? I, I think. This is a great time in Memphis. I like agree. There's, there's something happening. I can't explain. I feel it, it too. There's definitely something happening. Like even, even with like Hit Kid right now. Like yeah. I, I saw he reposted uh, your. Yeah, um, I felt. I'm so happy for that dude. Like that because we. I can't tell you. Like we've had some dope discussions just talking about how like yeah we're gonna do this in Memphis. We're really gonna like b- bring it up. And I remember he showed me um, FNF. We were in the studio. Uh, like a week or two before it came out. And Glorilla, she literally like, she did that song in the studio. We, we were talking together and she was like, hey kid, what it do, man? She was like, she was like, come in here. I got a track to show you. They sh- they, she showed her that song and I was like, man, I was like, this could, I was like, this is really good. And then like two weeks later, it comes out, hits a million on YouTube. And I was like, oh, they had something. I was like, dang. I hit him up. I was like, yeah, you're right. We're about to make dreams come true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great thing. And even like, um, what's his name? Charlemagne. Yeah. He, he talked about it on um, The Breakfast Club. He was like, uh, Memphis right now has the hottest rappers out. Yeah. Uh, which he has said that probably like a year ago. It's It's been a while. The, raps, the rap game is one thing. You look at our music <laughs> business, because it's all these little baby pieces of infrastructure that are getting built. And it's like, we didn't have it before in Memphis. It's yeah. like, we're all collectively like 
pushing for something that hasn't been seen yet. And yeah. like the fact that there's unity in that alone, it, it brings us together as people so much easier because yes. collectively we have the same ideas. Yeah. It's like, all right, here's the team. Let's push it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that I'm trying to help prevent uh, happening in Memphis is people People trying to like build their villages and then segregate. Yeah, yeah. Because I can definitely see that happening, but I'm trying my best to not let that happen because I think that's what happened in a certain era of time. I think back in like the 60s and 70s, they did a great job at like uh, being a community. Like yeah. they were all kind of making the same kind of music and it was great. And everybody knew Memphis for. Uh, they're great music, but I think there was a time period where everybody got kind of got separated. And well, you look at politically, historically in Memphis, like the Crump era, and when you know highways started being built, and it's like you segregate cities that are flourishing. Mm. It's like that's what comes about. We make the projects, and yeah. it's like it sucks that that's the case, but. You know, it's just making people knowledgeable on the past, especially with Memphis and wanting to uplift their community yeah. instead of just being like, man, this place sucks and moving to Nashville or something like that. Like, yeah. Nah, this place like Memphis, there's so much, there's so much great deep rooted history here. Not even just in music. Music's one thing. Memphis itself is like an inventor of so much. Like, uh, yeah, I could go on. I love this city. So. So you've got your own thing going with notoriety, yeah, right? So that's a piece. Yeah, explain um, to everybody about that. So we have a few pieces of infrastructure we're building ourselves. Um, notoriety Music Group, which is publishing and distribution. Um, Urban PM, which is a community engineered platform that will most likely just serve more um, for Memphis artists in general. It will have like interviews, podcasts, playlisting opportunities, ways that you know the community can uplift and market one another. Um, we have Infinite Progeny, which is a record label we're starting up on our own, and it'll be a developmental thing where, like, right now, a lot of the skills that I've learned through just, like, crash courses online that I've seen success from, I'm going to teach uh, artists that are the same age as me. You know, like, people that are my age that aren't it, maybe having a harder time putting themselves out there, like, one-on-one -on -one consulting, make, making them spreadsheets, plans. I won't go into in-depth on it, but, you know, no, you know what it is. A, a label. It helps them out. But, yeah. um... And then also, this is a newer thing for me, but um, uh, I have a thing that I want to start up called Palm, and Palm will be another branch under this little umbrella. The biggest thing out of it, so obviously my name's Sun Person. Um, I didn't tell you this before, but my biggest project is to be called People, People LLC, hmm. and under People are these trickled-down pieces of infrastructure within mm. Memphis Music. Um, Palm, though, is People of Memphis, and... Um, It'll be a booking company. Like, uh, honestly, to be real with you, I, when I went to Nashville, I realized how, like, capitalistic their mindsets were. Like, this one dude was just trying to, like, take my manager and, like, sign my manager while also develop, developing me into his firm. I don't know. It was weird. I was like, dude, like, this is just too much. I'm here to, like, book frat parties with you. <laughs> and then I realized, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I... I do this on my own already. Like, I do all my booking. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, shoot, this is something I'm most knowledgeable on. Let's just make something out of it. So yeah. that's what I'm going to do. I'm just, I want to start. Right now, it's like smaller scale, throwing events, more just like networking and getting the artists that I know involved. But I mean, this has been like proactively booking and like networking and stuff. Uh, probably like four months. Mm -hmm. So I mean, if we're able to do as much as we have in four months, then like, I don't see why a full-scale booking company can't become a reality. Yeah. So. And people pay attention. I have my own label, Damage Media Group. Heck I yeah. love it. I'm trying to take over. But I'm telling people about yours. And that's yeah. that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, I hate when people have this, like, famine mentality <laughs> yeah. of, like, well, I've got my thing. You can't have your thing because – no, no reason to be territorial about it. It doesn't it's make like, sense to me. Like, I, anytime I get the chance, I tell people about – who you are and yeah. and what you're doing. I'm honestly the same way. Like I've been telling a lot of people about the just all Damage Media Group and even like with Uproar Records, like or what is Uproar Recording, Uproar right? Recording, yeah, yeah. Like I've been telling everyone how great of a place this is and how like it's just innocent. What what I love about it too is that a lot of the good spots in Memphis, you know, they aren't in the best parts of town. Yeah, this is like there's nothing wrong over here. Yeah, like, <laughs> you. you you do not have to worry about much in Bartlett, yeah. and the space here is so clean and nice. Like yeah. I enjoy it. So yeah. 
And and that is what needs to happen. It needs to be yeah. people who are doing their own thing, but helping other people exactly. like, get to where they, like any question you ask, I answer it. Like I'm not yeah. trying to withhold. I anything. hate gatekeepers. Oh uh. my god! It's like what's the point? People that gatekeep don't have anything to gatekeep. People that gatekeep sense. like they think that they know something, and like it just makes them feel good. They're just yeah. like holding it over your head. It's like I can't tell you how many times like that happened to me, especially in the beginnings where I was like. Uh, I would ask people questions and they'd just be like, figured out or it'd be like, nah. And then I reach out to the source and those people are like the nicest in the yeah. world. And then like the person I was trying to get connected through, they're like, nah, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. I mean, that's, I agree. that's what happens in the industry. Like you'll find out, and this isn't even just for music. This is really for anything. You'll find out that like some of the top people who are in whatever industry you're working in are usually pretty nice. Yeah. And it's because they probably are done with all the bull crap that they've been through. Yeah. And they're just like really just there to help people now. Exactly. Like, that's all they want to do. But the people who are still trying to make it big, they're usually the douchebags yeah. because they're trying to knock everybody else down so they can get to the top. Yeah. They want to make it easier for themselves. Yeah. And it's like, I, like what you just said, it humbles you to do hard work. Yes. And it's like when you realize like you can't cut corners and you're just doing the, you know, what you believe at least is the right thing to do, then like, and you see stuff just come to you. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times where I would try to push something or be like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to be part of a label right now. I need to, I need to have X, Y, and Z to um, fulfill my needs in music. Yeah. That's not true. Like literally, dude, anything you, you think you can get. I think my camera isn't on. I just cracked my head and turned to the camera and hold on, uh -oh. everybody, I'm about to start uh -oh. that camera back on. Oh, no, it's on. All right, good. Oh, my God. Whew. That scared me. Yeah, it scared Dude, me. It scared that wouldn't be the first time. I literally did like an interview two weeks ago. He did the whole thing and then he goes up to his camera and he's like, wait a minute. Oh, so my God. But yeah, I um so fun story about the history of the podcast. So I was doing it uh, at my house. Yeah. Um, and I was doing it on FL Studio. Mm -hmm. Well, I had a podcast with Louise Page. Do you know who that yeah, is? Yeah, I know Louise. So I did a podcast with her. And I think that was the first time I was going to do like longer than 30 minutes. All my yeah. podcasts were 30 minutes. That's and true. that was just because um, the camera I was using had like a 30-minute record limit. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, I did that podcast with Louise. And I get up to stop the recording on the the computer yeah and my computer froze like fl studio was it was just stuck yeah and i was like no so i'm sitting there like trying to trying to get it unfrozen and it had crashed so i was like Dang. that sucks so i ended up releasing that podcast with just the camera audio basically yeah so Aww. yeah so then like three two or three more podcasts go by and the same thing happens every time and i'm like what's going on so i ended up googling it and finding out fl studio had a third like about 30 minutes or so hmm. record limit it's, it's not like a definite time frame it's just like about 30 minutes or so and then it will just like stop it'll stop working <laughs> and i was like you've got to be kidding me so that's why i ended up moving to um adobe and mm -hmm. then uh, i just got rid of all my adobe products and i'm switching to different products yeah. so now i use luna to record all my my podcasts that's but, what you're uh, saying luna's pretty good yeah I, I love luna it's and i was watching this guy on youtube the other day and he's talking about how bad of a company avid is which mm -hmm. avid uh, they use pro tools but okay for everybody but um avid got bought out uh i want to say sometime last year maybe mm -hmm. And um, they were hoping that, you know, they're going to make a lot of changes and stuff, but they really haven't been. Like, mm -hmm. they're still not even native to M1 Macs, like the new Mac computer. Yeah. So <laughs> every other company has, like, switched over to M1. So I, I don't know what's going on with Avid, but there's things like it's Ableton, Logic Pro, Studio One, like all yeah. these other softwares to record music through are phenomenal. Yeah. But for some reason, Avid is, I don't know, I it's think they're falling behind. No, dude, I was... I'm so tired with like old software companies just like staying old. Like they don't want to innovate. Yeah. Like I, so me and my engineer, um, we use AutoTune obviously, and Antares was just like not working. Like we were using a uh, monthly thing, mm. and then it said our license wasn't working, so we bought it 
And then it says our license still isn't working. Like, <laughs> we're like, what is the problem? And we're like trying to reach out to customer service. They keep like giving us just people that don't know what they're talking about. Mm. And we were like, dude, what's a different service? We're like, what? where can we get auto-tune and not use Antares? Yeah. And like, yeah, it was a mess. But we got it figured out. They just did something with the cash. But it's just ridiculous, dude. Like you should, companies, especially like music, like it moves so quickly that like, yeah. These companies just don't care. Uh, some of them do, um, but put, like Antares, like what you're talking about, it's like, c- come on, dude. We move with the times. If you're if you've built yourself up in the music industry to like a, the level where like everyone knows the name of your brand, then like why are you not proactively like innovating? Why yeah. are you not doing things to stay with it? Exactly. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. You can definitely tell when a company is actually thinking about its customers, definitely, because they start to adapt and like do different things, start becoming unique. Yeah, they don't, they don't keep doing the same thing. Like, oh, we got this update, and it's just like the other thousand updates <laughs> that we had. Yeah. Um. So speaking about that, when you are doing your music and your advertising and stuff yeah. like that, you've got some pretty cool like marketing ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you feel like? they're working do you feel like oh i want to try something else but you're always doing different stuff so try something else is kind of a weird term yeah no it's funny you say that because like another thing too especially with social media um i've talked about this to some older people but it's like you know for me uh i was probably six years old when i got my first phone Mm -hmm. from like the eight from age six and up like social media has been my life Uh, it was like an iphone six okay yeah um and like it was more just like okay i can call and text my mom um but like i was just on it like and like musically at the time was huge um musically had just come out which if you don't know what that is that's like pre-tiktok um and you know just like that was just me messing around at age like i said from like six and up like that snapchat instagram like I understood those things like bread and butter just because I grew up with it. And I didn't really realize it until, you know, you get to a certain age where it's like, okay, you can look back on these things. Yeah. Um, but then when it came to marketing music, I was like, I knew what would interact well with the audience online just because I was already doing stuff to push my content. And yeah. not like in a musical way, but just like because everyone else was. Mm-hmm. Like I was just getting that practice in. And then it was like, uh, I guess it was over... I'll say it was over COVID, like sophomore year was really where I was like, man, I just want to start like using this platform because I built up an organic following just by lifestyle content. Mm. I was like, why not just incorporate that with what I love to do already? Yeah. And like, what's interesting too, I'll notice like when you try to be more niche with your content, um, it won't get as much attention. It won't get as much traction just because like, I guess you could say like people might not care as much. Yeah. Like lifestyle content I've noticed does so well just because everyone can relate to it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like you make your TikTok or like, so for me, like I'll make reels um, similar to how just like someone will lip sync another video, mm-hmm. but I'll make it revolve around my song and be like, yo, we just hit 25K on this. People like that stuff. Yeah. It's easy, it's flashy, and it's quick to consume. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and I love your videos. Like uh, you keep doing those videos where you're just talking about your day. Like, yeah, you're just the talking about Yeah, like what's what's going on through your day. That's that's it's cool. Yeah, and it just gives people perspective. Like I know, like most of my teachers at school follow me, and like really? they'll like ask me questions about it. Just because, like, I I don't know. It's like I like to, especially in these early stages where it's like branding is everything, and um, you know, getting to know the artist is everything. Uh, like I know that well since people don't know me yet I should give like you know little tours about my life and like I enjoy making it and if people like to keep seeing it then I'm not gonna stop that yeah yeah Um, do you feel like there's something that you've that you haven't done yet that you're that you're missing like you know oh I've been trying to do this yes but I don't want to let it out yet I just like had a release so we went over the release plan for my next release today this morning and what you're talking about is something that I'm going to be more strict on myself about with this next release. So okay, uh, we'll we'll get there when we get there. But I'm excited about it. So when you are getting through your songs, uh, do you mm-hmm. feel like you're releasing them at a good pace, or do you need you want to do more? What's I want to. So right now, I like what we're doing. It's like every month and a half, like we basically like milk a single for a month with promotion, and then two weeks of uh, after the release is out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like i want to build more catalog at the same time so what i'm thinking of doing is like the my songs that i think are just like the best of the best i'm gonna like 
market the absolute hell out of them. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I'm what I'm thinking is every three weeks, so kind of like that halfway point in the promotion. I'll just like put, I'll soft launch a single, maybe like a B side, just to build up catalog. And okay. that way it's like, you know, this song, I might not have cared if it would go crazy viral. If it does, it does organically. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, this is still A plus content that people are coming to get after they've already previewed or listened to the newest single, the one that was actually being pushed. Yeah. Cause I, I like, um, Right now, and like it's a cool thing because people will be like, "Wow, you only have nine releases out, and like you're getting the numbers." And like I appreciate that, but at the same time, it's like I want people to go to my page and be able to just keep listening. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, and and I know it's like if I want to, you know, cut every single out to be in a month and a half, it's like I'll get I'll get plenty of releases out, but not as many as I want. Yeah, yeah. Within a given time frame. Yeah, that was something that um, in the Music Business Association during that conference, one of the mm-hmm. people talked about that. Well, I think somebody asked a question. They yeah. were like, hey, um, there was this artist that I was listening to. Uh, they did like a street performance mm-hmm. and they were on top of this car or in a truck or something. They And it was great, great performance, great song. And I went to go listen to the music and they only had like two songs mm-hmm. and that was it. And they were like, how do you know, how are you supposed to work with artists to to defeat that. And they were like, that actually has a term. It's called a dead end artist. And it's where you go to listen to their stuff mm-hmm. and then it stops. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> nothing else. So they were talking about, um, it's really good for artists to really get that catalog up and, and build, build some kind of anticipation. Yeah. So you, you said, how many songs do you have out? Like nine. nine? Yeah. So even though you just have those nine songs out, which is basically an EP, it's, it's yeah. not a lot. What you want to do is do what you've already been doing mm-hmm. and tell people about the more music that you've got coming out because that builds anticipation. Yeah. Because if you have no anticipate uh, anticipation of your music and you just have those nine songs, then people are like, oh, I don't know when he's going to come out with another exactly. song. But if you're constantly telling people, yo, I got this coming up, I got, I'm performing yeah. here, I'm doing this, they'll be like... Oh snap! Like you yeah. know, I've I've caught him in his wave. So. Yeah, you're giving them that illusion. Yeah. I, I, oh my gosh, that's another thing we we're talking about is like the magic of the music industry, like and how it's <laughs> dude. There's like a science to it all, and yes. it's all very basic. But like with little tricks and whatnot, you can you can fool the common man very easily. So for everybody who um, is listening. Just a tidbit of information. There is no such thing as somebody randomly dropping a song <laughs> because. If well, okay, a, in a big label, if yeah. you're a part of like Universal or Sony or Warner, you they're not going to let you just randomly drop a song. So like a surprise drop that has been planned as a yeah. marketing tactic to make you think that they surprise drop that. So there there are many things that artists do to give you this illusion huh. that you know they're. Music careers, you know, gone off the wall, or they're doing something crazy. They're they're probably this has probably been planned out for a long time. <laughs> it's all about perception. Yeah, that's how you create demand. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, it's basic, like you know, it's basic business knowledge. It's just like all it's like it's like when you find out Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> it's got that effect to it. But at the same time, like every release I put out, that's another reason why I love releasing so often. Because that midnight, man, it feels like Christmas. Like. It's like the hardest work. It's like you you put in all this work and it's like this is the culm- culmination of it all. It's like this is the point where we see how it does. Yeah. And it's like let's say lately at least like it's been great. Like I we had record numbers for Loved You More. Uh I think Texaco had like 19,000 week one and this one broke 25k. Nice. And it was like so awesome to see. And I was like let's keep pushing. I think we broke 30,000 today. Okay. Um really on pace to like get to 50 by the end of the week and i, I put some on instagram i was like get it to forty thousand for the lyric video but i mean they're probably gonna get that before so i better edit that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's on my to-do list for thursday but well that's awesome push it sooner. so when you hit these like marks do you feel like that's the new standard or you're like well if yeah. the next one does 5k so what i mean yeah if the next one did do 5k like i wouldn't i wouldn't whine about it yeah. just because i understand like i've got way more to back off of yeah but like I'm like so grateful. Like every single time, the thing, the coolest part is like, uh, I've engineered it to in a way where it's like, uh, I tell myself I'm gonna hit this goal, mm. and then I'm actually able to do it. And like, that's not something you can really do in music. Like, mm. if you're just being an artist, like you can't just be like, 
oh yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can to uh, push for twenty five thousand in a week and just be like, yo, listen to my song. No, it's not like that. Like, yeah. it's the playlisting, it's the blog pitching, it's just getting the word out there. Like, I I, I was talking to a guy. Um, he's in his thirties. And he'd been doing music, actually, like all his life in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting, interesting seeing a different perspective on how, like, when he would go about it, like they would press CDs, literally going to the gas station and giving people their singles, and yeah. giving people their CDs. And that really like got me thinking. I was like, you know, in this digital age, I don't have to go out and just hard press hard press copies of my release but at the same time like there's no there's no wrongdoing in just giving your single to someone especially a song that you know sounds good yeah, yeah. and being like hey if you want to give this a listen i'm a new artist yeah. like there's nothing wrong with that it's so easy and so i literally started doing like 10 to 20 people a day where yeah. i would just like find individuals because of how easy social media is and the algorithms behind finding like niche communities like music it's like I can put my sound in front of people that actually want to listen to it, and then they're happy that they had it. They're yeah. not just like telling me to go fuck off or asking me if I'm a bot. <laughs> like it's like, wow, this person sent me a stuff, and like I've created real fans off that. Because mm. something else I've realized too, and I'll always give back to Memphis because I love it. But the support in Memphis is not the best. Like yeah. it's it's very cutthroat. It's very hard to make it out of Memphis, and like. I have more fans interact with me from like San Francisco and India than I do in Memphis on occasion. But I mean, you know, that's a cool thing about the social media and online. It's like, um, I got really, I I guess like when I was young, I always loved like the game of social media. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I got bored of it and I was like, why don't I just put this to use within music? Why don't I just talk to people? But about my music (laughs) like not just like talking to my friends just to talk or schema bullshit. (laughs) Like, have you yeah. done any kind of like um, personal type things online as far as like streaming or anything like that? I want to like, do more streaming. We like, want to get more on Twitch because like I know some musicians that have made like their full-time careers off Twitch. It's yeah. insane. Like I know a guy, his name's Nick Black and his like full-time thing in music and he's a Memphis musician, okay. um, but his full-time thing in music is literally Twitch streaming every week. Nice. Um, yeah. Is that something that you feel like you would want to do all the time, like a nah. once a week, once a month, or I'd just probably like do a- it like once every, maybe like biweekly. I don't okay. know if I'd keep up with it every week, but like I'd love to get on Twitch and just sit there with my guitar player and like play songs mm. people suggest. Because like I know so much music just being at School of Rock, knowing so many covers and like that stuff doesn't really leave your head. Yeah. So it's like even if people didn't want me to do my own music, like. I'd love just to like take some missions. It'd be so cool. It's like an online tipping thing where like for just a dollar or something, you yeah. can support me while also telling me what song to play. Yeah. Have so. you seen like the online tip jars? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's, that's something that people, you know, they, they get started on that and then they just get the ball rolling. Like I, yeah. I heard there was some chick who was making like, it's either like seventy to a hundred thousand um, dollars a year. Just off of Twitch. Yeah. Just off of streaming. She was just, I think she was doing like Facebook lives or something like that. And I was like, dude, that's crazy. The ways you can monetize. I've actually, I applied for Instagram monetization because I was getting like, those vlogs you were talking about, Mm -hmm. I was getting like 15K views off of them at each one. And I was like, how like, can I, I was like, there's gotta be some way I can get money behind this. And then I found out there was and how they're actually monetizing reels. And I was like, man. And then I found out you can't monetize your reels that are already out. And I was like, man, what kind of. But is what it is. Keep yeah, rolling. Instagram is a they're they're like the Spotify of the social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like they have all these tools that you want to use and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, what are y'all doing right now? Mm-hmm. Like they they've got great stuff in line. And I was talking about this with um what's her name Erica Hackett mm-hmm. I, or well, Haskett. I had her on the podcast, and um, we were just talking about like all the features that they have, but there's like some that they're missing, mm-hmm. and. I was saying, I think it's because of Meta. Like the fact that Meta owns Facebook and Instagram, they want you on both. They don't want you to just pick one. I put all my stuff on both. Yeah, because think if if you had like all the great features of both of them on one platform, you're just gonna stay on that one platform. Mm -hmm. So there's no point of of doing that to them. But uh since you have both, do you feel like one is better than the other? Do you already no, get one? Both. No? And the only reason I say both is because, like, I was talking about my mom earlier. Like, she's, like, my number one supporter, always pushing everything. And it's, like, Facebook, like, I didn't realize. I thought I was just putting stuff out on Facebook for no reason. 
like basically any like so many people my mom's age see it really like so it really does go uh, go after like that uh, 40 and up audience yeah and like people enjoy that like it's so crazy because on instagram and like even on tiktok like there'll be people that are so young that love my stuff. I'll get and I'll get DMs from people and I'll actually do them where people will ask me to like get interviewed for their school projects Dang. for like their middle school and high school projects. And you know, I take up those just as much as I do these because it's just like I I want to be open to everyone, but it's also very cool to me that how universal my music has been for people. Mm. It's like I'll have people come up to me that are 60 and tell me they love Loved You More. And then I'll have <laughs> someone... Awesome. And then I'll have like a 14-year-old tell me that he really loved Unite. And yeah. it's like, that's so cool. <laughs> so for everybody who is much older than Sun Person and hasn't figured out the game like he has so early, make your music universal. Yeah. Because that allows you to do things that most people can't do. So if you're making only one type of music that only fits a certain scenario okay that's great because you're probably going to get booked for all those scenarios whether it's like um, a sync license where somebody wants to use your song in a tv show because it's about rocks so now that tv show that's about rocks you're going to get that placement because that's your music but if you've got music that can fit anything guess what you can do anything exactly just like have fun with it and uh, yeah it's like there's an artist side of me too, and it's not like I'm bringing detriment to my artist side by you know doing multiple different things. Uh, but I think some people get stuck in that bubble where it's like, oh, I'm a rapper only. I can only rap. I know so many of my friends that like I I know, especially with the ways that you can audio engineer now that they could sing. Like they I can get them sounding right on Pro Tools. Yeah. But they're just they don't want to because it's like that masculinity factor, that territorial mm. factor of like. Oh, I I can't do that. And even the artist side of things was like, nah, I'm strictly like a hard Memphis rapper. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I could get you sounding melodic and crazy as hell, but you do you, I guess. <laughs> cool story, bro. Like, do, yeah. do that if you want to. Have fun with it. I'm going to do it too, but I'm also going to do it with this. <laughs> and that's something that I thought was cool the other day. When I was listening to you rap, you like that yeah. really fast rapping. That was really cool because I was like, this kid's unstoppable. Like he can, he can like. So I've listened to a lot of Ryan's clients. Yeah, there's a bunch that aren't that great, and that's all they do is rap. Yeah, but I'm just like, you can, you can rap, you can sing, like you can do what you want to. That's, yeah, that's got to feel good. It's fun, and it's like because I grew up singing at first. Like I think one of the very first songs I ever performed live was like "Little Drummer Boy," mm. um, like the old "Little Drummer Boy" song. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, Stuff I really grew to love within School of Rock was like the Def Jam stuff with Beastie Boys and even like Rage Against the Machine and that more punk aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from there it grew because like the whole hip hop and pop culture side of things, uh, I always loved people like Bruno Mars and Justin Bieber. Like I I thought the front men were crazy awesome. But in terms of like hip hop and, you know, a lot more of the roots behind things I I wasn't as familiar with, but Mm. it was you know like i said the punk scenes really opened me up to that and then i was like all right i want to learn more about hip-hop and i was like r&b blues jazz it got very like like and then i started studying the real history behind stuff like you look at the jazz age and the harlem renaissance and even just stuff in memphis like with guys like muddy waters and isaac hayes it's so cool it's like yeah (laughs) i don't know i could go on about it but so when you are making a new song, are you listening to? Uh, so we gotta talk about. Uh, does he, he go by Blue? That's that's his preferred. Yeah, Blue Jay. So yeah. are you just listening to stuff that Blues got? Are you going on Beat Stars, YouTube? Like how how are you getting your music out? Um, or it's like to make what I want to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How are you starting? It? Um, so usually, like how it first started, I would find a song that I liked, and I was like, I want to make this to my co-producer. And like I said, my co-producer is like forty, mm-hmm. general manager at School of Rock. And I was like, I want to make this. And I'd show him like the most random stuff. Most of the time it was lo-fi for some reason. I was really into lo-fi stuff when I was little or younger. But um, he would come up with something completely different, unlike what I asked for, but we would make it work. Mm. And like, I think what was really cool, like in the beginning is just understanding compromise and uh, how to make something that you didn't think was what you wanted still sound good. Mm. Then it was like, 
okay, well, now I'm just open to do whatever genre I want because you're already doing that. Like, yeah. I'd go in with him and I'd give him, like, an R&B song or, like, a trap record and he'd give me, like, some police or, like, some psychedelic rock stuff, which still sounded cool. Yeah. And I would still, like, make something to it. Uh, and then it was like, you know, I, I started becoming friends with other producers my age, younger people that could produce more of the sounds that I was going for originally. And it's like, wow, it's like... I tried the more abstract stuff for myself. Now I'm getting to things that are more simplistic and it's not only easier, but I can do it better. I have a better understanding of it mm. because it's like I was able to go after more complex stuff for, for myself at the time. Yeah. But What's your equipment knowledge right now? So I know like when I was showing you all of our stuff, like yeah. you, you kind of recognize the stuff and you're, but you're still asking questions about it. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, I was saying earlier, terminology is important for an artist because it just makes you look smart. Exactly. Like it makes you look like you know what you're doing. Um, do you do you know like these like the analog hardware interface? Like, are, do you feel like you've got a good understanding for that stuff? Yeah, um, analog. I know what analog is. Yeah, uh, using analog gear, not as well. Um, I'm way more familiar with like plugins and virtual stuff, okay. but. Uh, I mean, like it's it's like what you're talking about. It's just basic knowledge of things. Like mm -hmm. I'm not the most experienced within uh, engineering and recording, but I've like just just being observant. Like I said, yeah. it's not keeping like my head in my phone while someone's recording or someone is engineering my track. Like I'm actually engaged, seeing what they're doing because it's at the end of the day, it's still my track. Yeah. And it's like uh, they they might be the hands of the operation, but I still want to be able to tell them what to do and you know whatnot. That's so important because you as the artist, like if you, you know, say you hear a certain thing in your head, like you want to sound a certain way. Yeah. If you can't explain it, it's probably not going to happen. Exactly. Because if, you, you know. You can't get mad about it. Yeah. If Blue's doing your music and he's like mixing it and then like, you're like, hey, do that thing where blah, 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 blah. And he's, he's like, like, what? <laughs> Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. It, then yeah. that sound might not ever exist in your music exactly. just because you can't explain it to exactly. him. Exactly. And, like, and it's just taking the simple time to watch a video or read an article and then you understand the vocabulary behind things and you never have that problem again. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I, I guess I understand like the literacy boundary of like not wanting to learn more, um, like being the laziness aspect. But for me, I was, I was never like that. Mm. I always loved, I was very, uh, what's the word for it? I was inquired. Mm. I, I was very inquisitive. That's yeah, the word. Yeah. <laughs> I was asking questions. Um, have you ever done studio work, like uh, helping out in a studio? Yeah, we actually, we worked at, uh, me and Blue Jay, we worked at a studio at this place called For the Kingdom. Okay. And For the Kingdom, FTK, is a uh, nonprofit out in Raleigh that just serves to uplift the community. They have like a huge ranch where they have free camps for the kids in the summer. Oh, nice. Um, they have like a full food pantry where they serve all the neighborhoods in that community dinner. Um, and a part of that, it's a new thing that they started, um, is a studio. And the studio just serves as a place like basically in the same sense that a lot of uh, underprivileged kids are able to use so uh, sports as like a resource to like be able to get that next step up. We understand that a lot of people, it's like music is that same avenue, but you got to have capital in music. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, a lot of times people, it's either you can't get to it or you have to turn to just ways that might not abide by the law to get yeah. where you want to go. We wanted to provide a space that basically eliminated all of that, gave people a safe spot to record, give give the everyday person an opportunity. Mm. And it was like, it was a really cool thing because I think FTK, it was like if you released through them um, and you couldn't afford studio time, like it was like 20% of your work went back to them just mm. to like, you know, accumulate something for yeah. for FTK. But the majority goes to the artist and it was it was a fun experience. We just like... We just got so busy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, we still do work up there with them, but it was our first step into this music journey, I'd say. Yeah. So, so for the future, you, you're you in Memphis. You're doing great work. You've got great songs. They're popping, all this stuff. Universal calls you. Yeah. What are you doing? You, you trying to build your own thing, or are you telling them no, or what's going on? Uh, if Universal called me right now... <laughs> Um, if they sure, did, yeah, now if or later. I'm, I'm not signing any deal with any major unless that thing's got seven figures. Because, mm. like, to be real with you, like, you can't market a song properly without $6 million yeah. at least. And it's like, and we're talking about, like, full-fledged, like, 
record label marketing. Like, yeah. I'm not about to sign all my publishing away, have these people work like what I just talked about on a nine to five schedule while I'm hustling over here. And it's like my A and R's and whoever it may be, they're not, they don't really care. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Like, I want to build up my label. I want to be organic. I want to see Memphis thrive. That's why I love that Camp South is working. That's yeah. why I love to see that Hit Kid is actually making something happen because it's like, it's, it's it's the effect of um, what is it? I guess it's just people getting sick of being you know thrown thrown to the dirt. To yeah, be yeah. honest with you, like there's we're we're just tired of seeing there being nothing in Memphis, um, and like I don't know majors, man. I'm not saying that I hate. I would never work with one because you get to a point where it's like you just like you need that machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you know to, how to work your contracts right, then you then you're good. But right now, no. I would never settle for a 360 deal. I would never sell, settle for a million because you got to look at it too. And, you know, you can look at, we talk about Memphis artists. I studied young Dolph like for a year. Mm. And when I found out, like when he passed away, I was so sad because like, if you talk about street smarts, that man was so intelligent. Mm. And like he had an interview where he talked about, uh, he would go back and forth with labels and they would, you know, they'd come out with him, come at him for a million, come at him for two million. Every single time they'd come back for more. And he realized that it's just like, if they're coming at you with this dollar amount, most likely you can make near, if not more than that amount on yep. your own. Because they're valuing you at a place where they think they can make something off of you. Yep. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go back in the, let me get back in the lab, keep going with what I'm doing, scale, learn the business tactics behind everything and just grow what they're doing on your own. They're the, all they're doing when they give you that number is they're figuring out their profit margin. Yeah, like they're just trying to see. Well, we give you this much, and that means we know we can make that much. So exactly. And I don't know if have you noticed that uh, all these older top name artists have been selling their catalogs to like yeah. Sony. Dude, oh my gosh, I knew. Um, oh my gosh, now we're talking about that. Uh, who made Benny and the Jets? You may not even know. I don't know. Um, Elton John. Okay. Elton John um, just stole just sold his entire catalog. I didn't know to, that. Um, Was it Sony? God, I think it might have been Sony, and like for a lot of money, like yeah. five hundred billion or something, yeah. like billion. Like I don't even think they have that kind of money, like realistically. It's just like it was probably five hundred million. Yeah, because I think Bruce Springsteen um, sold his. Catalog. I saw that for billions, right? Or was it, it million? It was close to a billion. That's what I thought. I think it was like I want to say eight hundred and fifty million or something like that. I, I'm gonna just look this up right now because this number yeah. is actually. Can I see the restroom real quick? Too? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sweet. We're, we're gonna take a pause and let uh, Sun oh, Person go to the bathroom. Appreciate <laughs> <laughs> that. I'm enjoying it. Like sometimes, there will be, I've had a few times where like I'll be in an interview and I'm like, when is this about to end? <laughs> um, because like sometimes, and this isn't even an interview, this is more just conversation, which I like more. But um, I fucking hate when there's like no substance, they're asking you like scripted questions. Yes. I really hate it when they're like trying to get something out of you and they're like trying to like, like I've been in a, there was one situation where. By the way, everybody, we're back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I just I, wanted to capture what oh, you were yeah. saying. So. No, this is actually a good talking point. Yeah. But um, they were like, I was in, um, gosh, I think I was in Nashville. Um, it was one of the first podcasts I did. And they, they were basically trying to like call me out as a racist for saying I wanted to be the biggest thing since Elvis Presley. Oh, my they were God. Like, they were like, they were like, you want to be like Elvis? They're like, well, you know, he like stole Muddy Waters music. And I was like. Uh, I just want to be as big as him. I didn't say I wanted to like advocate for what they did in the fifties. I oh was like, God. I was like, yeah, I, I know who Muddy Waters is too, and I, I understand um, the what's gone, what went on at that time. Yeah. But that's not what I was saying. And they were like, well, shoot. I mean, they were like, I was like, okay, let's get in, let's finish this up. <laughs> not to get on a weird topic, but that's that would also be kind of like saying i want to be a great leader like uh hitler yeah hitler was a great leader yeah like he, he objectively had, yeah, he yeah. Had, he had a concept he executed that concept but at the I same know. time it's like it was hitler yeah i'm like whatever man yeah it's you like, were you were just making a point you, you Elvis was great. You I was like, Elvis was like just, I was like, I, I specifically said biggest for a reason. I didn't say I wanted to be Elvis. <laughs> I, was, I don't think my music sounds anything like music or like Elvis. I don't want to die on the toilet. Yeah. That was another response I got. Cause uh, I said that in another place. And they were like, 
You want to die on the toilet? <laughs> I was like, no, I do oh not want to die God. on the toilet. Yeah, that's what I love about my podcast. And I think that's <laughs> what people are loving about my podcast is the just fact chill. that, yeah, it's just a conversation that we just so happen to be capturing the audio yeah. and the video. Like, I'm not trying to get a certain agenda. I've not yeah. even thought about the questions I'm asking you. I'm literally just talking to you as if we were downstairs hanging out with D and what's the other guy's AJ. name? AJ. Yeah. Like, we were just hanging out with them just talking. Like, that's exactly that's, that's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, you get the best. I'm, you're going to get the best answers out of you, yeah. and I'm going to make you feel comfortable. So you're just, you know, you're just talking. Yeah, so. it's just organic. <laughs> I hate the scripted stuff. <laughs> By the way, uh, I looked it up while you're in the bathroom. It was 550 yeah. million for really? Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Wow. That's so Crazy. much money. Yeah. By doing nothing. And all I was, was going to say, like, because you're. <laughs> I was gonna say you made all the money in like the touring, like you don't need that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah. You sold it just because you had it. He and literally had a garage sale of his music. That's and- what I think is so awesome, <laughs> and that's that's what I love about music, like from the business side of things. Because I really want to get into real estate, and um, and I already do play around with stocks and crypto, but just investments in general, mm-hmm. and like seeing music is like the biggest investment you can make. Yes, it's like. Oh, it, 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 what I love about music is like, you know, conceptually like stocks and crypto and it's obviously the, the age restrictions with even just getting a real estate license. Like mm. it's harder stuff to understand. But with music, like I said, like, I mean, I honestly started loving music when I was like four or five mm. years old. It's like you can be infant level and like anyone can love music. Anyone yeah. can begin from there. And it's like you ride that wave. There's so many ways to get involved with music. And it's like yeah i love it (laughs) i could definitely see yourself doing kind of like what i've been doing like i started out just wanting to make music and be a good artist and then i was like i don't this isn't really what i want to do i'm just kind of doing this as an avenue to get to my other things exactly and that was when i realized like when i got more into music business when i got more into communication artist relations um understanding the numbers behind things and like what really drove like what 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 was the engine behind some of this stuff how are some of these people um because like we talk about with perceptions like how are some of these people being perceived the way they are yeah uh how can we do that on an independent level and use those same tactics to scale because at the end of the day like playlisting and blog pitching like i'm not doing anything wrong by reaching out and giving them quality content it's like at the end of the day, like if a record label could pump a million streams into a song just like just to do it, and mm-hmm. like we just think it was the coolest thing ever, we'd think that it was organic traction. But it's like you're gonna hate on the little man trying to like get real people. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's like you can't feel bad about that stuff. And and another thing too is like just the honesty behind it, because like I think people will get stuck or. I've seen it to where like people will buy followers or buy streams and stuff like that, and they can't keep up with it. Yeah, and it's just like, man, it, with anything else in life, it's like you keep up with this lie. You can only keep up with it for so long. Yeah, it's like just be truthful from the beginning. Just fucking like do do what you love, and people, the right people will come. Like I, we were talking about Crucial a little bit ago. I, I think I'd say that he was one of my first real friends within like the wider music industry because like that dude came up to me there's this event called beat battle on the bluff and i was doing a halftime performance i got done with my thing and dude came and shook my hand next day he sent me a paragraph on instagram telling me how much he like really respected what i did just because he hadn't seen anything like it Mm. and i was like wow like i didn't push for that like we were talking about like before we just like stuff just happens it flows naturally like this guy is in a way higher position than me like I have no reason to be talking to him right now. <laughs> and he's given me the time of day. And yeah, it's like, yeah. it made me, you know, it made me realize that people are people um, doing the right, doing what you feel is right. And, you know, what you love to do will, will in turn put the right people in front of you. And Absolutely. it's like, I've met my, I've been in music for forever, but it's always just been like a part of my life that I kind of kept away. And especially in the beginning of high school and latter half of middle school, it was more just like, you know, popularity thing. Like, how can I have a bunch of friends and stuff like that? And a lot of those people, you realize are just shitty. Like, mm. especially high schoolers. High schoolers are just so shitty. <laughs> but like music, it's like I started driving that as like my life's influence. And I've met people that I truly believe are lifelong friends within six months. Mm. I mean, the two people you meet downstairs, I met in January and March. 
Dang. And like, I'd almost consider those guys closer than some friends I've known all high school. That's like, crazy. really? And and like g- genuine relationships where it's not just like, because like we were talking about earlier too, I, I can read people. I know if you're bullshitting me. Yeah. And like, the guys I surround myself with are not about that. That's it's awesome. like, these are genuine people that love, I love their music. They love mine. And we love each other personally. It's like when you can separate um, the business side of things and you get in a place where you can be comfortable as friends as well, it's the coolest situation. Because there's not many business situations where you can just be friends with your colleagues. And music gives you that. Awesome. That was, <laughs> that was the sound bite right there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's wrap it up. Um, Sounds good. Give everybody your info and yeah. how they can reach you and then uh, tell them about what you got going on next. Yeah, yeah. No, you can find me everywhere at son.person, son person. You don't even have to remember the dot. You can just Google it. But uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Like I said, first full band thing this Saturday or Friday at Mushroom Fest. I'll be playing at the Ring Nashville on Saturday. Um Later this month, or well, in July, uh, we just finalized our first full tour, and I booked that completely on my own. We'll be hitting Nashville, Memphis, Fayetteville, Little Rock, Tulsa, uh, and Dallas. Um, and then we might fly and actually play in L.A., which would be pretty fun. Um, and we're prepping for the next release. We're on the road to 50K with Loved You More. Um there's going to be more events this year that I'm probably forgetting. Oh, and then for any local people, I, I do all the media and hospitality up at the Love It Shell. So if you ever want to come to a free concert up there, you'll probably see me. So, yeah, that's awesome. what I got going. All right. Well, thank you for, for doing this. It's a pleasure to have you on. Heck and yeah. uh, I look forward to We got to do it again. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, this Absolutely. is a great first one. Awesome. Definitely won't be the last. All righty. Well, thank you for everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. <laughs>